Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Oh, you dragged me out of bed. But no one wants to hear. No one wants to hear about, well, about, about no, my no, troubles. No. Well, nevertheless, thank you for uh, squeezing, <laughs> squeezing this a little earlier. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm still on the mend a bit. I, I thought that the worst of it was over. And uh, from an acute basis, the from the operation, the, like it's obviously the swelling's all gone down and everything, but there's the there's the dull ache of bones re-knotting back together again that's like this constant ache in my head and uh it's 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 not as ple- <laughs> it's not as pleasant as i i thought i was like ah the hard part's done but it's like that constantness of it is just a bit painful specifically head and sinuses it can give you one hell of a headache uh, this has been the worst opening ever <laughs> yeah yeah we're a little depressing you everyone, don't want to get everyone, out of bed and I, i've got a headache <laughs> sounds good uh, so I wrote about uh, I wrote about Snapchat this week. Yeah, um, uh, a company that I I wrote about a year ago, mm. uh, and I think that article holds up pretty well. Um, basically, and and that article a year ago was talking um, was called Old Fashioned Snapchat, and that article was in part about Snapchat, but also in part about just the general opportunity online. Uh, for for online companies, I mean, when it comes to advertising, so that that's the article where I first started talking about uh, this idea where advertising is a consistent part of of, of US GDP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also talked about that article about the changing nature of television. That's a topic I've talked about, you know, several times. How actually TV has been on a a multi year, actually multi decade kind of shift away from advertising to subscription based whether that subscription be direct payments like you know Netflix or HBO or whether it be indirect through carriage fees which is how, how most cable you know a lot of cable channels make make a good part of their money mm. um, which you know which are basically subs- indirect subscriptions for all intents and purposes and that that, that that's all well and good but the advertising was going to go somewhere and uh, and that snapchat was positioning itself well to receive that in part because they're they're kind of um, you know, how well they were doing with teens in particular and teens being particularly attractive to uh, one of the tops we've talked about brand advertisers who, and, and brand advertisers, again, it's all about building this sort of uh, implicit uh, preference, uh, not implicit. What's the word? Um, basically you just, you, you're developing affinity, you're developing an affinity for various brands. And that's particularly valuable when people are young because they're, they're establishing their kind of lifelong purchasing patterns, right? You start buying, you know, I think I've used the example like old spice deodorant when you're, when you're 17, you're probably going to buy it for the next, you know, 70 years. And that there's a lot of money to be made in deodorant. If you're, if you're looking at it from a 70 year time scale. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm amused at the idea that, uh, Seventeen-year-olds uh, are buying Old Spice deodorant because when I was a seventeen-year-old, you didn't buy Old Spice deodorant, and it's a credit to their branding that they've been able to turn that around a bit. I have no idea what deodorant seventeen-year-olds buy. <laughs> um, the the it's, it's funny. Well, the the funny thing about Snapchat and the sort of like teen thing is, um, uh, you kind of it's been kind of amusing over the last couple weeks or months because it's like VCs on Snapchat has become a thing. Um, but but. Uh, one thing that's funny is I I feel like there there's p- people in tech move through this kind of blind spot where when they're younger like 
they're young enough to be in tune kind of with what's happening with young people. Mm. But then they're in this middle area where they just don't understand what the, what the flip is going on. And they're not quite old enough to realize they don't know what's going on. But then you cross over the line where you get older and one, you're more aware how out of touch you are. So you're more proactive and kind of figuring it out. Mm. But then two, your kids get old enough that you can start to observe them around your house. And so you get, Oh, I I get it. But there's like, there's like that 10 year dead period in between where you just kind of, you're out of touch. You don't realize you're out of touch. Um, And I'm certainly, I'm I'm right on the edge of that. So I'm, I I guess. Wait, that's not, I was having to read the press release about what the release features on Snapchat, because I must confess, I am not a Snapchat user. It's, I mean, it, it it's really interesting. I mean, the the uh, just just how it got it got started. And I, I Snapchat's a, it's an interesting company. I've gone, um, you know, I approach things generally from a a business perspective, and from that point, it's it's very easy to be be critical because they haven't they've monetized a bit, not a ton. Mm. They've had a lot of executive turnover, particularly mm. on the business side of things, including some very high ranking Facebook executives coming over and being gone for like six or seven months and multiple. Um I I, I I reused the joke because I was being lazy, but you know, when it comes to turnover in Snapchat, you know, turnover it is can reach for the revenue, but in the case of Snapchat it's been referring to their executive ranks. <laughs> and uh but at the same time the the, the way that uh, it, it's a little, and and you know, being cognizant of, of how you know Facebook and, and and Google are are making such a strong play for digital advertising, you know, it, it's it's dangerous to not be establishing yourself. At the same time, um, you know, I've praised Facebook on multiple occasions right. for being smart about getting their product right, getting their audience right, and then monetizing. Yep. And you can look at the way Snapchat's gone about their business and make a make a similar argument that they, 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 they're they doing the right thing to position themselves uh, for advertising. They don't necessarily need to be nailing it now. Yeah, it's it's getting the growth right get on the products, the, the product side, getting the, the growth right and potentially um, also getting the product to the point where advertising uh, fits in really well. Um, right, right, right. This is such a key thing. I mean, and this is, there's a, actually, there's quite a few points that I wanted to make that, that I mean, it was already pretty long as it was that, that I didn't get into it. Um, but one of these is this idea that you need to have a product that's suitable for advertising. Right. And that sounds obvious, but like, this is a, I think a problem for, I mean, I'm, I swear we weren't going to talk with the company again, but yeah. it's a problem for Twitter. I mean, Twitter, uh, it's an okay advertising platform for some sorts of advertisers that we talked about. It's, um, when it comes to things like direct response and, and other stuff, it hasn't proven to be as effective uh, and the targeting isn't as good as it should be. And that's all kind of like, that's, you need to build the, the, the pellet for advertising, if that makes sense, a place where advertising fits. That's such a good point. It's like the, the, the trajectory of Snapchat and how you've, how you described in the article how the product has evolved and you contrast that to Twitter where it feels like it's just been stagnant for so long with some signs of life now, but potentially too late. Like it, it, uh, it makes the criticism of Snapchat not focusing as heavily on the business side a little uh, more, a uh, little uh, like a little more muted. Like what I hope they're doing is rather than figuring, uh, rather than flipping the monetization switch on, what I hope they're doing is thinking about how to build a product that when they decide to turn the monetization switch on, it just fits super neatly. Yeah, no, exactly, and I and I think there's a lot of evidence that that they're 
that they're do that they're doing that. I mean, if every iteration of Snapchat has has both increased kind of the addressable market of people who mm. who might be willing to use it and made it easier to get on board and also uh increased the sort of places that where advertising fits and and fits more more natively and more smoothly so you start out and you're you're and we get this like what was so brilliant about where they started out but but you start out and you're this this private messaging service where messages you know quote unquote disappear self-destruct and, right it's a terrible advertising platform and everyone, <laughs> and, and everyone and everyone said so at the, at the time, but but then they added on stories, and stories are now now you're more of a, instead of a reactive sort of I'm in a conversation sort of thing. It's more of a a sit back, you know, absorbing sort of experience. Mm. And they've actually and it used to be just to hold your finger on, and you had to like be very active about watching them. Now now they will just play for one, and with the latest update, they'll actually play continuously. Like so, now you can watch like multiple stories in a row without doing anything. And it sounds like, and and <laughs> I hate to say it, but laziness is the advertiser's friend. Yeah. Um. And 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 that's a that's one example. And at the same time, stories are in more obvious way for someone like who's not doesn't have friends to talk to to chat. That's a way to get on. Like that's the way I started using Snapchat. Was uh, oh. <laughs> I mean, oh, it was hello. always. That no, I don't. I, <laughs> I won't yeah. say anymore. Uh, that's that's good. I'm, I'm no, done. No, I, well, it was funny. I'm a classic. I'm a classic. Like uh, I was obviously, I'm not not the target market. But for me, it was, um, you know, it, <laughs> I was supposed to say it was like following like some, uh, it was like some basketball players and stuff like that. Like your classic, like like your late Twitter follower. Like this was a classic reason people got on Twitter back in the day was you know following celebrities and things mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I heard like there was this one of my favorite basketball players on the Bucks. His name name's Yas Antetokounmpo. Uh, he had a hilarious Snapchat. So I'm like, well, I have this on my device, and I got the stories, and they were cute and funny. And like, I I wasn't. Um, but now it was a reason to get on without needing to have friends to get on. Right? It was a reason to sign up, reason to have it on my phone. And that's a beachhead. It's a way to it's a way to get started. And now. Someone else jumps on. Oh, do you have Snapchat? Or something else is funny. You hear about a funny story, or the, or or something that happened, and and it now it's already on your phone. You've overcome the download thing, and it's just getting a beachhead and, and kind of expanding it out slowly and slowly. So um, I, that that point's super interesting. One thing earlier that you said that that kind of made me laugh is like you don't even when you were describing how you don't even need to put your finger on it to to watch it. It sounds like what they've effectively evolved into is almost like a similar job to be done as television. It's just like I'm going to sit back and I just want to have entertaining stuff. But rather than television where it's um, where it's one broadcast for everybody, I'm sure they're going to get algorithmic feedback on what engages the most what engages people like you the most and it rather than rather than uh sitting there and watching the tv with a blast and having to change channels it's gonna adapt and start producing stories that you're really engaged with that's exactly my point that i made last year in old-fashioned snapchat like that was my point is that this is the new tv like it they're they're building out and at that time they had just launched the third kind of iteration which was discover and this was professionally produced content which again uh i don't i i I don't know Snapchat's numbers. I don't think that's the primary use case. But again, it's a great way for to get new people on board. For well, there's a few things. One, it's a way to keep people who are already using Snapchat more yeah. engaged because, yeah. like, you have people who are literally getting paid to put content on there, and professional content is always in the long run proven, 
you know, to be a, a powerful thing for any platform, whether that mm. be, you know, any users generated platform, once the professionals come along, like it, it, it generally, yeah. it, it's a good thing. And, but also again, the new user, like there is, there is content that they understand can relate to, like, there's a reason they want to go look at it. And, and it's another thing that again, expands the market for new users. It makes it easier to use, makes it more approachable. Also, and at the same time, deepens engagement for the people who are already yeah. there. And part three is um, again a a more even yeah. more natural place with advertising. And and what I like about Discover was it's a really good place. That's where they started ads, really, and which makes sense because professional ads fit better in the middle of professional content. Like it just, it's less mm. jarring, right. Mm. Than sticking in some sort of ad in the middle of like this, you know, some amateur, amateur. story. Yeah, totally. Right. And I mean, in the long run, I think the story's product is so compelling on, on Snapchat and that's where, that's where they're probably going to make money and figure out advertising there, but they can get to that. They can start in discover and, 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 and go there <laughs> But again, that was my point in this old-fashioned Snapchat was this is TV. This is TV for you. So you start out, you start out, they have, uh, at this is a year ago, that nearly 200 million monthly active users. They're well past that now. I haven't, I don't remember the latest numbers are, but they're, they're between three and 304 million, mm. including at, this is again, a year ago, greater than 50% penetration among users, 18 to 24. I believe that's up to like 74% now. Wow. Uh, they have these immersive ads and, and at, at the time of a year ago, they didn't really have any tracking at all. And I'm like, that sounds a lot like TV. Like they, they have all these young people who are absorbing stuff and like TV, it's not, it's kind of hard to track, but that like, yes, the, they need to fix that in the long run. And actually one thing I didn't talk about yesterday was the, how the privacy policy has changed over time, which is very interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, but at the same time, like the, the value for an advertiser in knowing that some X amount of 18 to 24 year olds are watching my ad, even if they don't know who they are, like that there's value there, particularly for brand advertising where the, the it's so hard to draw a line between kind of impression and purchase anyway. Like they're kind of used to there being a very fuzzy connection anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was even a year ago, there was this possibility. And now they've just developed even further. Um, and it's, it's impressive. Again, it's impressive in setting the stage. They need to execute and actually reap the payoff here. But the way the systematic way that the service has kind of landed and expanded, I think is, um, I, th- I think I just stole that phrase from you, but is, is very impressive. Yeah. He did steal the phrase. Um, I, uh, this bit you, you mentioned earlier, it was a beachhead and I think that's, well, actually, before we get onto that, Tell me about the privacy policy because I didn't know about that. And this kind of stuff, I feel that this kind of stuff, if you if you look in the fine print, you can often get a, a hell of a lot of insight into what the company's thinking and where it's going. I'd love to hear what you've learned as you've dug into that. So yeah, I went through and and read you know all the, the all the terms of service and, and the, the privacy policy uh, yesterday. And there was you know they're famous you know for for uh, originally for not tracking, saying they wouldn't do any of that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, I don't know how much Evan Spiegel m- meant that, um, but it was kind of inevitable that that, that would change and, and would kind of have to change. And sure enough, if you go through the privacy policy now, uh, they talk about you know how we're going to – privacy policy, what we use your data for. Like wh- They'll say we're going to personalize the service by, among other things, suggesting mm-hmm. friends or profile information or customizing the content we show you, mm-hmm. including ads. So I like so now this sort of – this idea that they're going to customize is in there. They have a completely new separate uh, cookie policy 
uh, which, um, which one, they broke it out. But two, you remember uh, one, another interesting thing that I didn't cover in the article, uh, but they added um, at least they, they did a kind of a one-time thing for the Academy Awards where the public story uh, was available on the web. So you didn't actually have to download the app and open it. You could actually go to snapchat.com and, and watch this story. Huh. And, and now a, a cookie policy makes more sense, particularly if you think about if they're going to make these stories available available broadly that you can link to them. So people are viewing them even if they're not logged in the Snapchat, if they're not in the thing. Mm. Well, well they're, if you're looking at a website, that's where the cookies you know come in and tracking. They've added specific references to device advertising identifiers. Mm-hmm. So what these are is, um, uh, you know, a challenge for advertisers is, you know, they use cookies on the browser to track you. So you, so that's why you know a, a, you can be tracked across sites with all the you know issues that that involves. But that's just how it works. That doesn't work on a on a phone if you're in different apps. Like there's not a common cookie storage between apps, and so. If, Advertisers were doing all kinds of unscrupulous things, like using your your uh, your your Mac your your, your Mac number, um, not 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 Apple Mac, but like the uh, the wife like the the device unique identifier, like the wireless, hmm. whatever, like the the, yep. the whatever. Um, and so, what both Apple and Google have done is they have a unique identifier for every device that's that's exclusively for advertisers. And there's a there's an API call, and you can get the device. And so apps ads among different apps can read that identifier to know it's kind of the same person viewing it, even if they're viewing an ad from a different app, even though there's no common cookie store. And you can opt out of this; it's in the settings if you want. But it is on by default. And now Snapchat has made clear in the terms of service that they're that that's something that they are going to be accessing. Which again, like none of this says that we have ads coming per se. But they're again laying the groundwork for some sort of tracking and identifying. They talked about companies may use the information to collect on our services, deliver targeted advertisements, including on third-party websites and apps. This is another angle that's interesting. But there's so much I wanted to write about here that I mean, it, just, it, was, it was long as it was. But you can see, you know, Snapchat just just hired from Facebook the head of Facebook's effort in our advertising off of Facebook. So oh, where you Atlas. use your not Atlas. Atlas is um Atlas is where it track. Well, it is Atlas. You're right. Atlas has many many facets. One part of Atlas is tracking, trying to track you from viewing an advertisement all the way to an offline purchase. But you're right. It's all Atlas also covers the you see a, a an ad off of Facebook, but it uses your Facebook information to serve it to you. Uh-huh. So it, your, your 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 demographic information or whatever they hired that person, and so you could see you could see where. If they decide that Snapchat, where Snapchat becomes an advertising network outside of Snapchat, using what they know about you to use outside, again, again, we don't know if this is going to happen, but the pieces are being put in place. There's a good article on uh, on on marketing land, kind of the adjunct to search engine land, about some of the changes that are in here. We'll put in the show notes if you want to take a look. But again, nothing, nothing drastic per se, just a slow evolution from a again destructive messaging service mm. you know mostly to being a full-fledged sort of in the long run Facebook competitor frankly for your attention so it's um 
This is one of the things that Facebook has done. I, I, I really think that on this brand stuff, they have done such an incredible job of trailblazing how to think about this from the business side of things. And we, we kind of now take it for granted the way we talk about it on this show and the way people understand where they're going. And you can kind of predict how Instagram's going to evolve and so on because they've kind of trailblazed it with the Facebook site. But it's by no means something that's simple. And you look at the strife that Twitter's found itself in from a revenue perspective and this idea of evolving the product to support advertising in such a way that lends itself to really good brand advertising or perhaps really good direct response, which was much more of the Google like what, what Google kind of pioneered. It's like, it's it's fascinating now to just think, well, actually, it sounds like what they're doing is they're just taking a page out of Facebook's playbook and thinking about it in exactly the same way, which I think is really, really smart. You know, I've been very bullish on Facebook. And I remain very bullish on Facebook. And I, I think it'd be worth getting into the why why I'm still bullish on, on you know, kind of like how social, like what's the structure of social generally and messaging and all that, mm. not just in the U.S., but around the world. And again, and remains bullish on Facebook. But even in the articles I wrote about Facebook and Facebook and Google dominating, I always put a caveat in for Snapchat. And that alone, I think, is an accomplishment. But it's worth thinking about. Um, you know, Snapchat came along relatively late. I think they started in 2011. Um, you know, at that point, uh, Facebook was uh, Facebook was big. There, they were under a lot of pressure that I think they IPO'd in 2012. Mm. And there's a lot of questions about, you know, would they trans transfer to mobile? But it it was more a um the idea that they 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 were dominant kind of in social generally was was kind of accepted. And the question is how how, how did Snapchat get to the place get to the place where it is and you know how broadly you know, are there any lessons or things to be to be drawn from that? And that was the, actually ended up being kind of the main focus here is is how do you become a behemoth mm. in an area that is seemingly dominated by by someone else? And we've talked about like how increasingly dominant these sort of aggregators are. You know, Facebook and 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 Google and the market, and they're just kind of absorbing everything. And how can you break in and break through? And I think it's useful to think about how Snapchat did that. Yes, totally. Uh, you 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 called it a, a laddering technique. And I think that's a really good way of how they've built the service up. Um, the, the, uh, the other way, and we also, we mentioned it earlier, this, this notion of a beachhead. And it's this, this idea that um, when you're in it, particularly now, when you have these behemoths, you want to kind of land and expand. You want to focus on something super narrow and nail it. Find a, a, an understanding absolutely right. Um, and then take that, take that, uh, take that, that, that narrow little thing that you've built and use, use it as a means to leverage into something else. And I, I love the parallel you drew between Snapchat and Netflix. Yeah. I mean, just to, um, in, in case anyone hasn't read the article, basically the, the, I think we might've talked about this on a previous podcast, but, uh, I, I, I do recall getting into sort of argument about this. So <laughs> the arguments stick out. The context was, you know, back in January, they basically flipped a switch and immediately went live in like 130 countries, um, and which, yeah, which is, you know, I- incredible. But that was a flipping of the switch that literally was like happened in one day, but in reality mm-hmm. happened in like 10 years. Like it was the slowest flip of a switch ever. And, and what I mean by that is 
they like they had to start they had to start somewhere and they started with with DVDs and again and they had an advantage that was they were much worse than the incumbent in in some respect in that you could go to Blockbuster and get a DVD immediately relatively speaking but they were better in that they didn't have late fees and they had a much wider selection because you know they had a big warehouse instead of just a a, a, a a corner store, and that being orthogonal got them kind of this mm. their core user base, like people that loved movies, watched a ton of movies, um, you know, and and that got them started. And then once they had that, once they had that dedicated core, they could leverage that, they could leverage the cash flow from the DVD operation into into streaming. And originally, the streaming service wasn't. You know, it was what it was. They had this nice deal with stars, but they didn't have everything. But they had a built-in customer base to, that they could lever up to this new thing. And then they could also bring in a new kind of customer. In this case, the new kind of customer was someone who was liked the idea of having instant access, on-demand access to something to watch. And in this case, they basically flipped what used to be Blockbuster's advantage on its head because it used to be Blockbuster was was <laughs> faster than Netflix – but now Netflix was faster than Blockbuster. Now the faster part was actually worse than Blockbuster, often from a selection. They didn't have the always have the newest movies and things like that. But again, but but it was basically they had this one piece and they added on this other piece. And but then they could leverage that into you know getting greater selection initially, and then uh, leveraging that cash flow and the customer base into. Yeah creating their own content. And now they have their own content. They have a new way to get new customers. They have a way to keep their customers they have more engaged. And 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 now once they have their own content, now it made it easier to expand geographically because you you already had a library of stuff. You like of course you want to do licensing deals and get locally suitable content. And they've done that to a degree in, in some areas. Other areas they're just kind of watching with what they have. And that's fine because they're a cloud service. They like the costs, relatively speaking, aren't that high, and they can and they have their own stuff that they own the licensing to. They don't need to muck around with that. And and you you didn't get there without starting with DVDs. It, it, it's so impossible to under, uh, uh, It's impossible to overstate how important that last part is. So, growing up in Australia, it used to, particularly as the internet came around, it used to frustrate me no end. This idea that um, there'd be this movie that came out in the states, and we'd have to wait six months for it. Now, obviously, it's gotten better, but the, the launch windows are are much, are still probably much slower. And it was one of these things where I you'd, you'd sit there and you'd think to yourself. Gosh, I don't understand why it is that that uh, that everything doesn't launch all around the world at the same the same time. And the reason was is because it was built on the old assumptions around distribution being something that was super hard to do. And and it's crazy to think that these guys have effectively it's almost like they started with that as the endpoint. It's like, wouldn't it be super cool to launch the best content and just flick a switch or push it out and it goes live everywhere? And and the fact that they, because they own it, they don't have to negotiate the rights in a hundred or however many different, 130 different territories is absolutely huge. They've integrated around it. But all the steps it took them and the hard work and the 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 slogging to get to that point is absolutely it's huge and and you make this amazing point that anyone who wants to try and assault them has to go through um, 
uh, to a greater or lesser extent, many of those same steps to build up the scale, to build up the revenue, to build up the business model, to be able to replicate what they've done and to be able to compete. Right. And so, and so I think you saw, you know, so you saw a similar thing with how, you know, that's how Snapchat got in the position they were. I mean, by starting with this product that was eminently not monetizable, was not a business per se, but it was orthogonal to to Facebook and Twitter. I mean, Twitter has always been public and a broadcast sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, Facebook, particularly around the time Face, you know, Snapchat launched, was was I probably making what it, it's hard to say if it was the, the. I mean, it's easy to look back and say it was the wrong move, but like making stuff. There's countries mm. that making stuff more public, not less, and like almost like they kind of killed. That's when they kind of killed the the blog once and for all. But at the same time, they were increasing the perception that what you put on Facebook is not private. And there was stories mm-hmm. about people getting losing their jobs because of Facebook posts and, you know, and people being denied interest to colleges and stuff like that. And there was this whole, like, it's, I think it's less of a thing now, maybe because people are just used to it, but there was a whole, like the, the, the atmosphere around social media was very mm-hmm. kind of fearful around that time. You know, like be careful what you mm-hmm. put online. It's going to haunt you forever. And, and, into this comes a service that's like we are explicitly rejecting everything that Facebook says they're embracing. Facebook's about sharing. We're about private. We're about not sharing. We're about keeping it private and 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 to ourselves. And that gave them. And, and again, particularly resonated with with teenagers. I mean, teenagers. You know, like they <laughs> teenagers like to go and lock the door, right? They don't want to talk to mom and dad. They don't want to talk about what's going on with their friends and, and they have their own little world. And, um, and this is a product that, that fit with that. I I think that was, it it was extremely insightful of them from a product perspective to go to the other extreme. So Facebook's all about very public and you want something that's more private, that, that is more trusted. I guess the interesting thing is, and I, and we've kind of led up to this and talked about it in their privacy policy. And it it kind of, I felt the tension when you mentioned uh, Spiegel saying, we're not tracking you. Um, like earlier in the show, he's he. I, I haven't followed the company closely, but it, it, I could I could understand why he would say something like that because that would play the product kind of plays into uh, people's fears about everything being very public, and this is kind of the opposite. Um, what's interesting though is that uh, the realities of the business and how they're going to make the business, in some senses, uh, lie in tension with how they've traditionally at least positioned the product. And so far, it seems they've been able to navigate it all right. It's not like um, people are crying outrage about this this increase, uh, the, the, the changes in the privacy policies, like they did with Facebook for a while. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see whether they can continue to navigate that and not step on any landmines because that's part of the pr- promise of the product, at least originally. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a great point. It's going to be very interesting to this plays out. There's 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 the inevitable sort of like privacy tracking controversy, you know, for Snapchat. And and well, what's interesting though is right now they've kind of they've kind of increased their optionality, and I think a positive way. In that, um, you know, I think it's an it's a pretty good advertising platform. Uh, in part because of the audience, in part because they they're increasing the sort of immersive experiences. Where I think again, brand advertising in particular would potentially play play well, and this is such a big market. I mean, it's still mostly 
TV. And th- among the many reasons why I don't think like Facebook is in any sort of mortal danger is there's mm, plenty of room. There's plenty yeah. of room for both. But yeah, no, it, it, it it's going to be interesting to see it, it. Like I think they've increased their optionality mm. and that they could do this. It will be interesting to see if they take it. The, I mean, the other thing in this update was they added stickers. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> like, you love stickers. You love don't stickers. laugh at stickers. I know you love. Stickers. I love. St- <laughs> no, I love stickers because one, like. Uh, they're fan like they're such a great communication medium. They really are, and people don't get this because all the U.S. companies on these these kind of half-assed uh, sticker implementations where they put like they don't understand stickers, <laughs> like they don't really get what they are. They're they're pale imitations uh, of what a sticker sorry. is. So no, I mean, so in Taiwan, the most you know the 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 dominant messaging platform is Line, and it has been for for, for many years, and the. It, to my advantage, I think this is the reason why I was clued in on messaging being a key. Like one of my very first posts was talking about messaging mm. and how important it was. And this was three years ago when before anyone in the U.S. was talking about messaging. The, in part, that was because of my connection to Taiwan. And I was already using Line with friends in Taiwan and, and kind of got got the power of it. But, I mean, this, the stickers are – they're so emotive and, like, they're, they're, so, they're, they're so expressive and – like it's it's hard to it's again it's hard to explain if you don't if you don't if you're not in the middle of it, uh, but they're they're good. I'm telling you, they're a great thing, and and I I'm not going to take your laughter and your crap. So, um, <laughs> but the other thing is they're 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 a good business. They're a good business. Like you laugh at selling stickers, yeah. But wine, no which is you know, wine is dominant in Japan and Thailand in, in Taiwan, but they're they've struggled to really expand elsewhere in the world. And this is actually another point I did get into the article, and I think is worth it. You know. Again, this is back to the structure of social mm. broadly. But even in those markets, like they make a few hundred million dollars a year wow. selling stickers, originally just selling their own. And then they they did what's called the creator's market, where they're basically individuals an are creating sticker for, packs. And yeah, it's like an stickers. app store. No, basically. And they and I think they made they made seventy five million the first year from that. I think they made a hundred wow. million last year. And this is taking like 50 percent of 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 these sticker packs like there's a ton that like they're just they're sold people buy them like crazy wine is one of the top grossing apps in the world uh it might be it might have been number one wow. last year i'm actually not certain and that and that's all on stickers because line actually makes 50 percent of the money from games but the, the games are separate apps like they're not part of the actual um so they, they don't accrue to the line apps dollar figures but yeah i have to double check the numbers but i they were either number one or number two last year in the world in monetization this is up against like these pay-to-play games that right. people are you know paying hundreds of dollars yeah, you're right. at, at i a take time. my laughing back that's pretty impressive isn't it so one so one that's just selling directly but they actually that's only their th- line's third biggest money la- maker their biggest money maker as i mentioned is games pay-to-play games where and, and where th- they're basically they can use their app to push games and, and then they can make money on the back end but the uh their second biggest money maker is selling Basically, they selling to advertisers, and but advertisers don't put ads in the app. Uh, what they do is they sponsor sticker packs, and and so people have this desire for stickers. Stickers cost the 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 kind of professionally developed ones from Line cost two dollars. The creators market ones cost a dollar. Uh, but you could also get these free sticker apps around special occasions or different things, and the free ones are sponsored. And usually, to get them, you have to like follow an account or you have to do something or do something or other. And basically, what these companies are doing is they're paying six figures to 
get a direct marketing channel to to people and then exchange for, for for a sticker pack. And the sticker is the is the lever to get people to willingly sign up to get spam from you. I mean, it's it's oh so many words. God. It's amazing. It's just so this is uh and it's funny how it kicks in at different times, but this is just a wonderful reminder of the 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 price of something or how much something is willing to pay is completely independent of the cost, but rather how much they think is value. And, you know, back in like the days of playing games like World of Warcraft, you'd see people paying absurd amounts to get these items. And it's it's like that, and you stop and you think, and these are like bits that don't exist anywhere. They are completely at the whim of whoever's created them to add or subtract as many as they want. They're replicable as, as many times at no marginal cost, but people value them and they pay it's just and yeah i mean i might laugh at stickers but like it's like phenomenal what they've managed to build again because price is not a function of how much something costs it's a function as you just said of what people of what people are are willing to pay and yeah and line has an exclusive on putting stickers in their apps so they they can make they can make a lot of a lot of money off it and weaver it into these into these um into, into these 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 other ways to make money, including advertising, but it's not display. Like people hear advertising, they think like, "Oh, who's going to accept a flashing message in the middle of my messaging app?" Like that sounds awful. Well, okay, but it's not. It's not about that. It's about you know, it, it's about establishing a direct marketing channel. You're not getting any flashing messages. You are willingly entering into this connection, and and you can block it. Like it, like it's easy enough to get the stickers and and put away. But most, but enough people don't that it's effective and i used the i wrote about line a couple years ago and i used the example of like at the time hagen does had just come out with some stickers and you can totally see a scenario where uh you sign up you get these cute stickers they kind of leave you alone uh this was i think in january or february but you can see like well in a couple months it's gonna be super hot out lines you know hagen is gonna push some messages buy one get one free like sundays or something like that mm-hmm. and there's like here there's a bunch of hagen does stores around like the, the, it's like an actual like chain it's not yep. just a thing in the supermarket and like i i could totally see enough people getting that message be like it's like you know 90 degrees out i'm sweating boy hagen does actually pretty freaking fantastic now and like yeah it's it's a powerful channel. Direct mail, like the reason why you get mail in your mailbox that's annoying to throw away is because it works. It's so sad uh, on some level. Though, to be fair, occasionally something breaks through, but most of the time. Oh, Elitist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shut Elitist. up. It's just like, ugh, I, I have to. Yeah, I, I'm about to say I some poor tree died for this and I'm going to have to carry it all the way up to my apartment only so I can carry it back down in the recycling. It, it feels like such a waste of energy, but yeah, you're right. No, I, you know, it obviously, and what well, the problem there is again, you're you're not electing to get that. I mean, what's yeah. powerful here is you are you you're elect like you're signing up for it. Um, and and yeah, so again, so Snapchat is added stickers, so they they're introducing the optionality bit. They bought this company called Bitmoji, which uh, basically lets you create stickers based on yourself. So you can have stickers that look oh, like you ben. for all, you for all intents and purposes. Be in, uh, heaven right now, Ben. <laughs> Sorry. So you laugh, you laugh, and it sounds ridiculous, but honestly, like, it, it fits in this whole self, like, Snapchat, this is Snapchat, Snapchat, it's about snapping, and, like, the the vast majority of pictures on Snapchat are selfies, and people love to snark about selfies, but as I put it, I put it on Twitter yesterday, 
uh, snarking about selfies is the text version of a selfie. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Kieran Healy, who's this, who, who is this uh, uh, sociologist, it, it's, it's the state, I want to get the, uh, at North Carolina. Uh-huh. Um, he, 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 he called it the snarky. Uh, which, <laughs> Pretty good. Which I thought was great. As I, so I, I replied, I'll put this, I'll put this, I'll put this Twitter chain in, in, in the post, but I replied, I love it. It's narcissistic, meant to make you feel better about yourself, composed with care, and displayed for others' admiration. Like, it, it, like, yeah. and he is to which you replied. And the leading dot in at replies, which again lets everyone see your at reply. Uh. Uh, the leading dot in at replies is the snarky stick. <laughs> uh, you two are on fire. And I, I, I so I'm like, I, I, I told him I just I laughed out loud super hard because I was right in the middle of regretting not putting a period in front of my previous <laughs> response. <laughs> but I mean, how much of Twitter is is people like trying to make themselves look look good for their right. peers, like like shouting out for the choir and people to get their faves, get the retweets. Mm. And like, let's, I mean, let's be honest here. When, we're, when you're sitting here and judging and like, oh, I hate people taking selfies, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay. Yeah. It, when you're posting that on Twitter. Yeah. Like you're, you're, it's wh- coming from the same place, right? It's coming from the exact same place. Like, and, and it's a little, it's a little, uh, quote, uh, what's the word? Like, um, you're oblivious, unself-aware. What's the opposite of self-awareness? You're oblivious to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the, this is the way we are, it's, and it's high-order narcissism. It's it's like I'm too cool for a selfie, and the fact I'm talking about it, it's like highbrow selfies. I'm going to show people exactly. That's what I called it. It's the text version of a selfie. Yeah. Like, and the reality is, we are all ultimately concerned about ourselves like that is the that's that's human nature it's the way things are like you can have all these debates about about everything from capitalism to political philosophy and so much of it rests on the way that people put themselves first like implicitly or explicitly and and the way that people you know uh how much of what we do is wrapped up in our our confidence or lack thereof or our securities or our insecurities and the way that people the way what they hear what they perceive is often different than than the quote unquote reality but the truth is that's their reality and it's just as real to them as it is unreal to someone else and frankly i don't think we should be surprised that an app that that gets closer to that is is successful i mean facebook so much of Facebook, a criticism of Facebook is this idea that people are showing off like their best self and, and, and that it's not, you look at someone's Facebook feed and their life seems so beautiful and they have this beautiful colored shot of, of, of their family and then they're traveling and they're in this city and they're taking pictures of their airplane ticket and all this sort of stuff and people presenting their best, their best self. And of course they are, that's what they do. But I'm not surprised there was room for a different product for people to, express themselves as they are right now and to not feel the need to preen, not feel the need to show off, but still be them like express themselves. Like that's such an innate, it's such an innate human need. And, and I'm not like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that the, that, that the selfies are, are such a big deal. Like that's, that's the physical manifestation of the way every single one of us operates day to day. And if you think that's not the case, then <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a really powerful way of thinking about it. It's it's also, I mean, I um, I you're right. 
uh, you're definitely right. It's interesting to start thinking about these services in terms of the way that um, what what um, what they appeal- the way they tap into narcissism. Yeah, and like what 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 versions or what what version of this inside of each of us they appeal to because to a greater or lesser extent uh it's true that 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 we all have this to a greater or lesser extent and it feels like they target different parts of us and the extent to which we engage deeply on one of these networks speaks i think in part to like which part of it that uh, that it appeals to and honestly speaking i on a lot of levels don't like the the part that Facebook appeals to like the, the part that it's trying to tap into me, like this idea that I need to present this perfect life and to encourage other people to present this perfect version of themselves. Like it's like you end up not being present. You end up thinking about how to like manipulate things to look better than they are. You end up like trying to sweep all the shit under the carpet. You make other people unhappy because they think everybody else's life is this perfect thing. So I, I like avoid it, but on some level I'm guilty of pursuing a different, like an intellectual quote unquote version of this on Twitter. And, and right. You, you used it right now, right? You, 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 you criticize this sort of, mm. you know, like you, 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 you want people to think that you're not like that. You're not about showing off and making right. people feel bad. But it's, right? I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. Guilty is charged. I mean, it, it, it's the, the. I mean, I, I want to express it because that's the point of the podcast. But you're right. Like there's like. But we could we could we could have this conversation on the phone and no one could hear it. But but there's a certain there's a certain uh, th- there's no question. There's a part that knowing that you know twenty five thousand people are going to hear us saying this. You know, makes it makes it a little easier to pontificate on. You know, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and so you're probably tapping into the part of, like. For- I'd like to think that's not the case. Like I, I try and be. I, <laughs> we would all of, like to think that. But of that. course, like exactly. Like the the fact that I'm uncomfortable with Facebook would kind of suggest that I would like to think that's not the case. Like I try and be vulnerable and honest with you on this as much as I would be if we were just sitting down and having a conversation and nobody was going to listen to it. Um, but but you're right. Like I I don't I don't. Like it, it, the fact that I would say that is playing into exactly what you just described and exactly the reasons that I'm not on Facebook. I'm, it, it, it could easily be argued, and I don't know if I can refute it, that I am trying to project something by saying that to you, by not being on Facebook, by gloating potentially here, if that's what you want to call it, about the fact I'm not on Facebook. It's still part of that same thing that you're talking about, right? Yeah, there is, um, there is a, I can't, I can't find the exact quote, but, Matt Mullenweg, uh, my my former boss at 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 Automatic, mm. you know, founder of WordPress, uh, he has, he has this great quote that basically says all successful consumer companies appeal to one of the seven deadly sins. Mm. It's it's so it's so insightful in in that like you tap into like you're tapping into some aspect of the human experience, mm. and yes people do altruistic things and they do things for the right reasons. Mm. And I'm not at all saying that everything everyone does is selfish and bad and all this sort of stuff. The reality is, is that this is the nature of, 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 of being, of being a human. And, um, you know, that person that is doing good things and great things and not telling anyone about it. Like I know you're out there and there's lots of people doing that. And again, not, not trying and, to paint with too broad a brush and here, thank you. but the, yeah, and thank you. But the, the reality is, is, is you can find some aspect of your life where, where 
you know, we, you're feeling good about yourself. And that's good. It's a healthy thing. Again, but that doesn't that doesn't make any service that taps into that and Snapchat tapping into in a very deep way. I don't think it's it's a it's easy to sit on our front porches and criticize it and the, look at these dumb kids out there. But I I, I don't think it's any to your point. It's not any worse than what we do on Twitter. It's not any worse than what people do on Facebook. It's it's just the way that that we are. Ugh. Ben, you're making me extremely uncomfortable. I'm sitting in the library while the kids are watching TV. It's different, goddammit. It's different. Totally, totally. <laughs> you know, the, the the great thing about kids and, te- you know, them damn kids and, and, and teenagers, I, I kind of put it a little too negatively. I think the article I made a line where, like, you know, that Snapchat taps into this this fact that you're primarily concerned about about yourself and and when you're a teenager like you're you're you haven't yet developed the means to to hide that you know what i mean like teenagers are very explicitly selfish for the most part (laughs) and it's like you haven't really figured out this the way you're supposed to act socially to pretend that you're not selfishly motivated you just are selfishly (laughs) and selfishly motivated and so like embrace that like Take, we're going to start out with selfies. We're going to start out, you're going to open up the app and it's going to be on the selfie camera. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that, that that's not the reality for, that's not the reality for, for, for all of us. Anyhow. So the, the, the other thing that's interesting about, about the, the Snapchat generally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they have this optionality. They can, they can make money in different ways that who knows they could do a sticker thing. They already experimented with lenses where, where you basically are adding, Kind of filters on 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 your camera. Um, Mike Mike Matzio um made, kind of made the point that actually this is like they're already kind of doing augmented reality in a kind yeah. of weird way if you think about it. Like they're they're changing what you see through the camera and then letting you capture that. So so some friends showed me some of the filters that they're doing and they're really kind of sophisticated too. It's it's almost like they're overlaying it in it, it, like it it's. It's augmented reality in the sense, like your it tracks your face and the filters follow your face and stuff. It's super cool, right? No, yeah, and 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 so how so many things like it's so easy to say, oh, we're just waiting for like Microsoft, like did you know had their big thing yesterday and another demo of like the Hololens and this you know this you know projecting these things into your vision and there's the magic leap, this mysterious kind of startup that's supposedly amazing and all this sort of stuff. And people think about that's augmented reality and when it comes, it's going to be amazing. But actually the way this stuff often shows up, these new things show up are not with these, these lightning bolts and these massive leap forwards. They come in through the back door, right? And, and what, what product is arguably shipping the most used and increasingly sophisticated augmented reality on the market. It's arguably Snapchat. Yeah, it's that's it's a really good way of putting it. These things sneak in without you realizing. Actually, I um I it, it's funny because I I actually that they're, they're doing a great job of adding it in the technology. But I got so curious about this that I tried to find something similar without um without Snapchat. And I found this very cool app called Miscord or, or something like that, M-S-Q-U-R-D. And it's the same technology, very cool, but unbundled from what Snapchat does. And it, again- And owned by owned by Facebook? I, I don't know, actually. It wouldn't surprise- Yes, Facebook, me. Face, Facebook bought it a couple weeks ago. Very clever. It doesn't surprise me that they did 
um, at, very smart of them as well, but very cool little app doing the same kind of thing without needing to do. So it's almost like Instagram got its start doing all the filters and people were just using Instagram to get to the filters. And then people started releasing apps to do the filters without all the other Instagram stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's clever on both parts because some people want to, it's on one sense, it's integrated when you want to use Snapchat or you want to use Instagram, the filters are there and you can push it out. Uh, on the other hand, some people don't want to use the whole thing and just having that modular piece is really cool. Um, well, the, the Instagram angle is interesting because what, what Instagram is another great example of a company that, that levered up mm-hmm. uh, it, and is more of just a, a one step lever. It wasn't kind of the multi-step process that, 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 that Snapchat has necessarily gone through, mm-hmm. which arguably gets at why in the long run Snapchat is, is, um, going to be more valuable property than, than Instagram, but Instagram by starting with the filters and kind of really getting that being what they're known for. And Instagram started, you could push out to, to Facebook, push out to, to Twitter. Like it was a reason to download the app to get started mm. without having the network. And the hardest thing with any network thing, and this is why like for, it's been so hard to, to, for the messaging apps to expand ge- ge- geographically is, uh, for all, I can love line stickers up and down. If people I know aren't on it, it's worthless to me. Like the the number one mm. feature of any social app is are my friends on it? Yeah, and 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 so that's why a key thing in Snapchat. That's why the discover and the stories things are so important for Snapchat's evolution. And theoretically for Twitter, this is why Moments is important. But the problem is it's just it's so late. Mm. But that's why it's important is it gives you a reason to use the app mm. without having your network developed. And then you can build – and the network is the more valuable part, but you have to get from here to there. Right. And for Instagram, the bridge to get from here to there was filters. That got a critical mass of people using the app, and then they could build up the network on top of that. Same thing with Snapchat. Again, they had the, they, they did start with the network with, with the friends, but the way to get in people like me – the non-teenagers, the old fogies, was they built on these other things that were more accessible without their – I mean, now I can go on Snapchat and you can do – like lots of people I know are on there. But like even when I signed up, it was probably a year and a half ago, like there was like two people I knew that were that that, that were on it. And I'm by no means an early, uh, early adopter. I mean they had already been around for like three years at, at that point. So – so th- this is this is something that's that's super important and uh, and yeah and yes you have those other filter apps but I mean let's be honest those aren't great businesses I mean, they're they're nice boutique businesses but they're not they're yeah, not totally they're not big businesses that, totally that's I mean that's what that's the difference between Instagram and all these other businesses they they it's like that beachhead they landed but then they used that to expand into something else. Um, it's 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 a very powerful way of building a business. Yeah, so it's interesting. The 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 I wrote a couple of weeks ago. I think Instagram is where Facebook will feel the pain from Snapchat first. Like I, I've put, I've thought a lot. I wrote a post a few years ago, like the the multitudes of social. But I, I think there's, and I have like the social communications map, which I really should update. But I think there there's there's different. So like there's room for multiple social products, but there's not room for infinite social right. products, if that makes sense. Totally. Makes and sense. I think there's definitely two. The big question in my mind is if there's room for a third. So the two that I think there's room for is one is the kind of front door to the internet. And the other is the primary communications channel. And, and you see this um, to take like Taiwan for an, for an example, like there's clearly two apps. Number one is line, which is, 
personal communication. And number two is Facebook, which is like everything else. And, and as I mentioned, like Facebook, like there's a great article I linked to in this article about Facebook is the new Excel, uh, but like how Facebook is used for all these things that have gone far beyond uh, uh, social communications or, you know, seeing pictures of your friend's baby, things like small businesses, like small businesses are, are completely on Facebook here in Taiwan, for example, no one has a website. If they do is because they, they're an older business and the website hasn't been updated in like five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, all small businesses, all, all businesses generally are, are, are on Facebook. There's all these secret, all these groups like buying and selling stuff. Like uh, there's groups for Taiwan expats. There's groups for like uh, my alumni group. Like there's, there's, there's all sorts of groups for every, for all, all <laughs> any sort of thing. Uh, some secret, some not. There are, uh, there's buying and selling going on. Like there's all this sort of infrastructure and that's, that, this is such a powerful thing. And this is, I've said this repeatedly about why Facebook is far more entrenched and stronger than, than people still, there's still people that think Facebook's ready to collapse, which boggles my mind Came over the weekend again. Like Facebook really? has moved far beyond like the friends and family sort of thing. And in some respect, that's opened the door for a service like Snapchat for mm-hmm. the reasons we talked about. But it's also entrenched Facebook to a degree that even if you hate Facebook, you kind of have to use Facebook. And now I'm going to get the emails. People saying, oh, I don't use Facebook. Blah, blah, blah. For the vast majority of the population, the numbers support me on this. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and this is even more the case outside the US, I think. Again, where, where people came up on mobile, the expectation of using the web is is much less like and and the company is is not going anywhere uh as far as being a part of people's lives the open question is this are they going to be the front door are they going to be the place where people go to first and immerse themselves and that's where uh in the u.s for example snapchat is is more of a threat so snapchat sorry am I, i'm kind of going on and no on no here. no go for it it's great so so well so I talk about so I talk about the the Taiwan market. I think it's useful because it's very it, it's a tiny market, but it's very distinct in the the different roles. Inter- in, interestingly, Instagram is doing very well in Taiwan as well, but it's it's very much a consumptive experience. There's a lot of following products and following celebrities and and things like that is is how it's generally generally used, and that's on Facebook too. But that has kind of moved off of Facebook to Instagram, and so I'm not sure if that's a a, a a separate distinct third channel. Now I've talked about these different channels. They could all be one app. So in China, it's all one app. Mm. Like WeChat, you use for personal communication. It's also where you go to get news and there's feeds and things that you can follow. And it's also where you do stuff like, like you get stuff done. And so there it's an all in one app and it's super powerful and it makes a ton of money. (laughs) WeChat charged had like 50 million in bank fees in January, which if you calculate, and this doesn't include transactions for like pay to play games. This is just like people sending money to each other. If you back that out, like their total, the amount of money that's passing through WeChat is like three times that of PayPal. Like, I I know. And that's like, that's just like a a side thing that they do. And that's, again, that's smaller than Alipay, which is, but that's why, you know, Alibaba is so freaked out about, about Tencent WeChat and has been for a long time. But I mean, the, the, like they, it's this monster that's just consuming everything. Lots of countries, the communication channels is WhatsApp. 
you know, the big advantage that WhatsApp had was they were in the right, like, I mean, good product, but right, definitely right place, right time. Mm. Like people getting phones, yeah. it was free. It was competing against paid SMS and it was basically SMS, but it was free. Like, and, and we talked about the challenge in getting a network online. Like you need, like, what's the benefit to get everyone to change their habit and workflow? Well, being free is a really, <laughs> is a really powerful it benefit. Helps. No, it, it helps, and that's why Wine has kind of got boxed into the countries it is because in all the other countries trying to go into, WhatsApp is dominant, and I think um, – well, for one, Lines Engineering isn't great, but I, I think it's a better ex- – it's more fun and a better experience than – and more fully featured than WhatsApp, but – yeah, like you tried to convince me, and it's like, well, Ben, I'm just going to be downloading this app to talk to you. And as much as I enjoy talking to you, iMessage basically does the job. Well, yeah, well, let's leave iMessage for a sec because the US is the most complicated, right? But but in most countries, it's WhatsApp, right? Mm. And you know, that's just how people how people communicate. Mm. So anyhow, you're getting this kind of queer set of, but Facebook is still kind of the infrastructure provider, right. and it's often the front door for all these countries. So the one that's really been different than everywhere else. And I think this is why a lot of people in the U.S. haven't quite grokked all the messaging thing is because the U.S. is kind of messed up as a market. Well, and the reason they're messed up is twofold. One, there's the one we've talked about multiple times. Uh, the, the Everyone in the U.S. had a computer. And so the, the shift to mobile in the U.S. has in some respects been more stilted and more partial than it has been in, in other countries. Mm-hmm. Gen- so, so a lot of stuff you do, you still are used to doing on a computer. And so things like websites, for example, are still a much bigger deal in the U.S. than they are mm-hmm. than they are in other countries. For just to take one example, mm-hmm. but for messaging in particular, for the last several decades, SMS has been free. Almost every cell phone plan has come with free SMS. So that took away the big reason why messaging stormed the world like three or four years ago. It didn't in the U.S. And the reason it didn't is because it was already free. It was already free. And so are, are you going to download an app to talk to me? Like what's the what's the incremental benefit that 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 that, that are getting from that? And so – sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You're about to make the point. Go for it. It's been this market. Everyone wants it. Facebook's, you know, Messenger on it. And Messenger, like, you know, Messenger has the advantage that everyone already has it. But again, it's not just getting people to download the app. It's also getting people to kind of change their habits. And what's interesting about Snapchat and is in some respects, it had to be the most different from SMS, like texts back and forth. Like Snapchat started out as basically sending selfies back and back and forth and them, you know, self-destructing. And it almost had to be the most the, the the difference between Snapchat and SMS had to be so extreme and that's why they got traction in a way that like Line or WhatsApp or whatever never really did in the US market because the delta had to be so much greater to overcome this is just rem- sticking with what worked. It's nuts. This is reminding me of our conversation uh, the other day around how uh, Microsoft couldn't manage the shift to mobile because it couldn't imagine a world without PCs. And then Apple might be suffering that same fate as a result of being so successful in mobile, it can't think of something like the Echo. This is almost the market level version of this where, where because PCs have been uh, omnipresent in the US and because of the unlimited messaging 
housing plans in the US. Like that provided the fertile conditions that were necessary, or actually maybe not fertile, maybe fertile is the wrong word. Maybe that, that provided the very arid conditions for, for a messaging app that had to be so different from the way that p- people traditionally used messaging to spring up that enabled Snapchat. That's the reason why it emerged in the US as opposed to in one of the countries like Asia, which was uh, where Line, for example, or um, or, or the uh, the behemoth. Oh my God, WeChat, WeChat, WeChat. in China, yeah, or Kakao in South Korea. Yeah. Right, like that, there were no PCs, and so that the environment there kind of that that determines that determines the nature of the app that springs up where it does everything that we would think, oh my gosh, we just use a PC for that. Like they didn't have PCs. So they like the kind of app that emerges there is so different in nature, but it's a function of those conditions into which it's born and the problems that people are trying to solve for. Absolutely. Like the environment in many respects determines like what succeeds. Like right. not, and, and this gets at like the, the danger and like over glorifying like founders and their vision or whatever, like so much of an app and its success is due to the market and the environment that it, it, it comes into. And like, and like right place, right time is, is a really, it's a, it's a much bigger deal than, than a lot of us acknowledge. Mm. Totally. Um, in some, the the other thing, the other interesting about the U.S. is iMessage, and you you mentioned it, mm. you mentioned it in passing. What's interesting? I mean, iMessage is um, iMessage is so brilliant uh, in many respects. One, like the 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 truth is, these 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 apps, these these messaging apps, are a threat to Apple, and the reason they're a threat to Apple is because they are sort of a meta operating system that sits on top of iOS and, and sits on top of Android. And I, I, you know, like it abstracts away, like it doesn't matter what you're running underneath. Right. Right. If you're in China, like even with all the, like how in demand, like the iPhone is in China and like the status that it brings and it being such a prestigious thing to own, like the reality is an Android with WeChat is still better than an iPhone without WeChat. Right now, obviously, that's not something that the reality because WeChat is on the iPhone. But were there were that the case? Like this is what my, this is like Microsoft's realization of what the browser w- could risk doing to the the threat of the web uh, to wit the browser was going to do to the PC. That's exactly it. Like yeah. that, that, then that when the, you saw that in the PC, it was the PC was dominant, and then the browser came on top of it and abstracted away what happened underneath. underneath. And that's right. why the Mac could like the Mac. That's why the Mac could be viable again, mm. was because of of the internet, and it's the same thing here. Like the 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 iPhone still has lots of advantages, but like there the level of abstraction, particularly in China, I think is the, probably the most extreme example. But also in other countries, it's getting abstracted away underneath these these other services. And what's and so in some respects, iMessage is 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 brilliant in a few ways. So one that kind of has foreclosed it to a degree in the U.S. because iMessage has made messaging better, and the way it's integrated and built on top of SMS, where it falls back naturally to SMS, like you you have this service that is that is better messaging than SMS, but you didn't have to go to the pain of getting your network right. like updated. It's, it's- Be- it's backwards compatible. It kind of backwards hi- compatible, right? It ba- it hijacks the existing messaging app. It makes it fr- it makes it so good. God, I love iMessage. I uh, anyway, sorry. Well, Good so words. it's so 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 it was smart in that respect, but it's also smart in that 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 it was a it's a moat in it's a moat and it's a moat in two directions. So the first moat is the 
is this that we're talking about in that it fends off this kind of meta layer that is a super powerful layer. Again, we've seen it play out in lots of countries where this layer ends up being super valuable. And, you know, Tencent, again, is is, is the best example. But it also – and then it's obviously a moat from like switching to Android. I mean like the the – that's the number one reason – to not like when I when I broke my arm, like I I, wa- I actually wanted to I bought a Nexus 6P and everything because the voice recognition is so much better. Like it's it's again you can't overestimate like or this, underestimate how much better it is. But not having iMessage was painful. But it also um, the one other thing that it does that's kind of brilliant though it frustrates me no one that they haven't taken advantage of this enough is it also commoditizes the network underneath because. It's a, uh, if you, particularly if you set up an Apple ID rather than just rely on your phone number, it means you can go overseas and stick in a local SIM card or you can change networks and your number becomes between FaceTime and iMessage. That's replacing everything that you really need a phone number for. So if Apple, like they haven't quite figured out how to completely hijack it to the extent where the, the Apple ID is more important than the phone number, but should they push that a little bit further, then it doesn't even matter. Matter what phone number you're on, you can go around switching SIM cards uh, with with abandon, with reckless abandon, and it doesn't. People aren't wondering who this person is that that's calling you, and you don't have to worry about like letting people know about new numbers. You just get messages wherever you are. Yeah, so that's what that's what I do. Um, unfortunately, it's uh, uh, it's not a great experience. Not yet. Um, yeah. One, you have to actively make sure it's sent from your your Apple right. ID and not from the phone number. It defaults to the phone number. Two, it's obvious that Apple doesn't have people traveling around changing SIM cards because every time you change your SIM card, like your Apple ID flips out. Yeah. Like you have to re-log in everywhere and it's it it, it, it like it, it does work, but it's a pain. It's it, it, it it's should a pain. be easier. Well the, the but but what to be clear, <clears throat> iMessage is like Android in that it's very smart strategically, but is smart in a defensive sense. And people are like, oh, you know, Apple is undervalued as a company because look how valuable WeChat is and they have iMessage. No, I, iMessage is not like WeChat. I, iMessage is valuable in that, in the way it provides defense, does provide a reason to buy an iPhone. You know, like you want to get the blue bubbles and that, you know, that that's a thing. But it it's not a platform. It, it, the price of having this sort of backwards compatibility and the way that it seamlessly kind of, you know, silently became this big network that Apple controls, the price of doing it that way is that it's not a platform that they're going to build a huge business on. Just like Android, the price of it being free and it being op- you know open source mm. and Google sweeping the market, the price they paid is they're not making <clears throat> direct money on phones like Apple is, Yeah, right? Even though they own a huge part of the market. Like that's just a trade-off you make. That doesn't make it bad. I think Android was a good, was a great move. And I think iMessage is a great move. But let's not... F- Let's not lose ourselves saying that Apple has this multi-billion-dollar business under their hood. They don't, except to the extent that it supports the one that they they already they, have. Yeah, that's a that's a well-made point. We've uh, we're we're already going a little long, but I, I don't know. I just think that um, the, the I guess the, the 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 meta point to make is people have come back to me saying, "I thought you said Google and Facebook," and I, I mentioned this briefly before, but are just going to dominate everything. And I and again, the reason I've caveated Snapchat and the reason why. You know, there's other things like Verizon is talking about buying Yahoo, for example, which I think would be a very smart move. They already bought, bought AOL. Like, there's the 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 reality is this is a uh, Facebook is super 
dominant and it's going to be a very difficult company to compete with. But at the same time, like there's such a fundamental shift in behavior and the way people are doing like there, this is, this pie is growing. And I think, you know, Facebook and, and Google are very well positioned to gobble up a huge part of that pie. But at the end, at the end of the day, like a, a, a growing pie does by kind of definition, it's not like smartphones where it's set, right? Like this is like smartphones in like 2010 or something or 2009. Let me check, let me have an attempt at changing your metaphor. As these countries grow bigger in size, there are more and more little beachheads for these little companies to land on. There as as they try and do more things for all these people, there are going to be things that they don't do well. Like as Facebook becomes more and more public because that's in its DNA as you described, like it's more about public sharing, it leaves openings for like these highly private like self-destructing messages that leaves openings like that and if anything's going to threaten these companies it's going to be along that vector like it's going to be some some narrow little offering that they're not meeting that that then doesn't just get stuck like a little filter app but then leverages out and leverages out and leverages out until all of a sudden they have a pretty sizable beachhead and it'll be interesting to see where they take it from here whether they can lever keep leveraging it out to 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 become one of the big players or whether whether they they don't manage it and they get they get close but they don't manage it well right but i mean i'm talking about it from but at the end of the day you have to make money right, right. Oh, and like totally. pinterest can have pinterest can have their nice little beachhead but uh, I'm I'm increasingly skeptical about them as a business because like they're they're just they're so slow mm-hmm. about you know to me they've had the platform to make money for a long time and they're they're just so pokey about it right um, and I'm increasingly nervous about their ability in a world because remember you're not just competing for at the end of the day attention is the ultimate resource right but you have to have the apparatus in the back end to actually make money off of that. And that's what Facebook has done such a great job developing. And that's what that's going to be the key thing for Snapchat. Now, Snapchat is not a home run yet. And the reason not a home run is because while the the evolution of the product has been very smart, they have not at all demonstrated the 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 grit and the capability that Facebook has to actually build a business on top of that. And again, with all the people that have been fired and stuff like that, they've, they've arguably demonstrated the opposite. Yeah. So the real question for them going forward is do they have the, the, the will and the discipline to be just as dedicated to building out their business as they are Facebook? And again, I, I, I like – it's okay to now because like, it's like the, there's the old like SAS equation. Like basically your, the amount of money you can lose as a SAS company, like you see how much you're growing and your growth rate should exceed Mm. like your percentage of losses by, by some amount. It was like 40%. There's like, it's a really smart equation, but basically it's kind of a rule of thumb where how much can you afford to be losing in exchange for growth. Yes, generally you can, in a venture capital, probably a SaaS sort of business, it makes sense to lose money at the beginning. But you, how do you keep that in check? I think it's a similar thing with Snapchat. Yes, waiting to monetize in a world where Facebook is getting stronger and stronger is a very dangerous game to play. But if you can counter that with, with strong enough growth and a, f- a, a product that's developing rapidly enough, you can afford to wait but you can't wait forever. And, and the big question is, is are they going to be able to pull, pull that off? And um, yeah, we'll see. We will. It, we will. Cool. Sounds good. Well, we went on along, but uh, we, we, yeah, we got to cut this down. We've been going along a lot lately, but um, got to stop having such good conversations. 
Yeah, I know. Let's let's let's, let's try to do a worse job next week. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, well, let's commit to that. Sounds that was good. so that, that was so narcissistic. <laughs> Touche. All right. Sounds good. I will talk to you later then. Sounds good, mate. See ya. All right. Bye bye.